I was sitting in my my car in a Walmart parking lot and I looked at my portfolio go from like 15 or $20,000 or something to like nothing and I was just like TikTok is becoming the new go-to for searching stuff. Like instead of Google, people will search on TikTok. What is the coin you would hold forever? What's the coin you'd flip or sell to take a profit and one that you'd never even touch with a 10-foot pole? Oh shit, which coin would I never touch the 10-foot pole? Wow. That's tough. All right, I'm back. Last week I was sick. This week I'm not. What's going on? What up, super spreader? <laughs> right. nah, good news is last week I was down with a nice little sore throat. Uh, cool, man. we got a lot to talk about. I believe we have also another guest this week. So I'm excited to have four people on the podcast. Uh, we just keep growing this thing more and more. If you guys are new here, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button and check out our daily free newsletter. We talk everything about crypto, Web3, and NFTs uh, every single day. And we're just some reliable friends here who talk, who like to talk about Web3 stuff. Uh, kicking it off. I have this I want to kick it off with. CZ, CEO of Binance, tweeted this, I think, a few days ago, maybe even this week. And he captioned it. They are silently in crypto already. And who is they? They are the biggest companies in the world or some of the biggest companies in the world, leading like BlackRock, Alphabet, Morgan Stanley, Samsung, Goldman Sachs, the list goes on. With them being invested into crypto companies with billions and billions of dollars already. And the tweet is like, hey, if you guys are not investing now, it's because there's a reason for it, right? You're too slow, you're not learning, and it's not mainstream, which is the best time for companies like this to start putting gambles. Uh, so what are you guys' thoughts on that? What do you kind of take away from that tweet? Very secretive. You know, they're they're investing a lot of money, but they're doing it discreetly, which shows like they believe in the technology, they have conviction, but they don't want, you know, the masses and ordinary people to know because if that's the case, you're going to see a lot of people start, you know, pumping the markets, putting money into the markets, which will increase the price, which obviously they're trying to get in at a favorable value. I mean, this is a bear market. This is in theory a perfect time for these companies that are worth billions to get involved. And uh, I don't think they're quite ready for the mass adoption and the mass masses to start uh, coming into the space. Yeah. I mean, also you have to take into account businesses don't want to disclose that they invested in something that failed. So if you look at the graphic that CZ posted, there's a bunch of for each investor and the odds of all of the success is pretty low. So I'm sure that they're waiting to see which one's going to become the winner before they go public. Where are we going? What up, Cade? Yo, Yo. I'm pumped you decided to wear the sunglasses, man. I was just like, I was asked telling Priest, I'm like, do you think he's going to come on wearing the, the shades? Do you think she's going to do this? <laughs> I, I, I sometimes do. I never know. I never know what the vibe is. But usually if I don't wear it, they get mad. <laughs> They'll be like, where the hell are the glasses? Yeah, it's your trademark. That's actually like kind of how I found you because I was scrolling on TikTok a few months ago. I was like, who the fuck is this guy with like sunglasses? <laughs> a sombrero and then i clicked on your profile and like you have so much content you're so consistent and it's all value and i was like how is he not blowing up yet on tiktok and then we ran into our own problems on tiktok with seed phrase like a lot of videos have been getting taken down and we got restricted i think tiktok just like has a war on crypto and nfts right now honestly <laughs> you think so 
I've uh, yeah. TikTok's been interesting. TikTok's been interesting. It, it took a long time. You're right. Um, it's not it's not exactly a viral t- style of content. I've tried to mm-hmm. figure out a little bit. I've really been getting into like the sound bites from podcasting. I got like obsessed with that stuff uh, after our friend Andrew Tate took over the entire internet in a matter of months. And I was like, well, fuck me. I guess sound bites are the way we do this stuff. And so I went back and like found every single podcast I'd ever done and clipped up like as many segments as I could and pulled out like hundreds of clips. So. That's genius, honestly. Yeah, I think people don't have the attention span for like an hour long podcast, unfortunately. So sound bites is the way to go if you're looking for being viral. But if you're looking for a community, you want to do the long form as well. Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. Well, yeah, I, lo- I love the podcast. though. Know, that's why I usually do my live streams as podcasts. And so it's been for the most part, everyone's okay with it because they get a little bit nervous that it's a live stream. I've gotten used to the live streams, but um, I've been doing it like that just because people can at least be engaged during it. So that's always fun, like especially if there's like a big guest. Like I had um, Voltaire from like Psychedelic Anonymous the other day, and that one was sick. Like everyone turned up for that one. It was just wild. Like the chat was going so fast. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, so I, I loved in the live streams. That's the best part because uh, you're right. Most of the time, people can't sit their entire podcast. Yeah. Katie, what's been the uh, secret sauce for you to kind of like meet other people in Web3 and crypto? Where, where, you ha- where have you been seeing the most like engagement, I guess, in terms of like finding the right people to talk to and network with in the space? Um, so this is something I talk about often that I think is, is super overlooked cause it's not, it's not as like a sexy answer or anything, but, um, I call it audience curation, I think is what I usually call it. And I make very specific types of content. I make all types of content. Um, like first I was saying, I, I'm like a fiend with like volume. So I just kind of subscribe to the Gary V style. I just tried every single series that's been known to man. And so I made a bunch of different kinds of content. I made different styles, like certain videos I know are going to get. 200 views max and they'll never get more than 200 views because they're not for that many people like the videos specifically for like a ceo or a founder of a project and so i made a lot of videos like that and there's a period where i was making entertainment videos but i was making them for creators and i just i don't know i was just like well i think the content creators in the space would think this is funny so i did that for a few months and then i found out like two-thirds of the people that i looked up to were following me um on twitter or something like that because they found my youtube videos they just liked my style because they, I wasn't really making videos for like 15 year old teenagers trying to flip money for millions of dollars tomorrow. So I just didn't make those 10x videos and 100x crypto coins to buy tomorrow. I just didn't make those kind of videos because YouTubers aren't watching that kind of thing. And I was like, if I'm going to earn the respect of like these top people, I got to make videos that they would actually want to watch. And so if I want to have conversations with founders of projects, I got to make videos that founders of projects would maybe click on. So that was that has been the secret sauce for for my brand. And it works like a T. And um, I, I don't know if the schedule, I don't know if the strategy would change now. Like if I if I burst out of the scene now, um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what I would do. It would probably change a little bit, but I would still stick with the audience creation. I think it's a really big part of it. Nice. Funny, funny that you say that you, you didn't do any of those 10x videos because Alex here, he came across you actually, or his first, I'll let him express it. But his first time seeing you, he actually followed a project that you are breaking down, I believe, and he ended up making some money on it. So I'll let Alex touch up on that. Oh, shit. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. So actually funny, Kate, I actually, uh, so I know you from we have a mutual friend. I'm actually from Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, I know Will Herring. So Will Herring, you know, told me, <laughs> shout, shout out to Will. And uh, shout out so Will. during the pandemic, I got into photography as a hobby. I was never good by any means. I just did it because I enjoyed it. And so, you know, Will was on my Instagram. You'd see I casually post his pictures. He's like, hey, man, you should uh, turn your uh, pictures into NFTs. And I'm like, ah, you know, how do I do that? And he's just like, oh, 
you should look at my uh, friend Cade's YouTube. He actually posts a lot of good content. He, he knows what he's talking about. So that's how I came across you. And then I was just like, okay, the guy's wearing sunglasses. You know, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical. I just don't just listen. I just don't just ape into when someone just tells me, oh, you got to do this. But after watching your content a little bit, observing, reporting, I came across Ugaverse. And you were talking about Ugaverse. Oh, my I'm like, God. <laughs> you're, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to get into Ugaverse. And then funny enough, I started staking the Robo Ugas and all that stuff and the baby Ugas and all that. And I made a couple thousand dollars. I made like, uh, I think, 0.7 ETH at one point just trading the liquidity pool. So, you know, tip my, my hat to you for uh, the little alpha there and making me a little money. So uh, I just... Uh, Hell yeah, I, dude. I put I told uh, Mo and Paris about you. I'm like, yeah, this guy is just posting a lot of content. He's having a lot of a lot of good people on. He's not shilling. He's just giving his honest opinion, which I personally like your honest, uh, brutally honest NFTs. You know, it's like because we don't have enough of that. You just have plenty of people in this space that are like, okay, this is going to be next 100x. You're going to make a shit ton of money. You're going to be rich overnight, but like you don't do that. So I got to say, I respect that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Alex. Yeah, I agree. Thanks the hopium that. I think is super toxic, honestly. And even if you were making the videos where it's like, this is going to be the next 100x NFT project, people aren't looking for that kind of alpha right now. Like we're not in the market to be doing that anyway. And to create a business model that works throughout whichever market you're in is a lot more important. So hats off yeah. to you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's definitely something I thought about. Like with, hey, so the brilliant honest reviews that that's, that's, I would say that's probably the main reason my channel was, my brand was built because of those reviews. I just came in with a different angle and I've never been at the helm as far as like, if a pay, if a, if, if I had like a paid video, for example, from a new project, they want me to review them. I have full right to say whatever the fuck I want. Cause I'm like, look, I'm just reviewing your project. If there's something that you don't like, and you watch it and you're like, well, I don't like the way this looked. I'm like, well, that's, that's your fault. Like, I'm just reviewing the project. I don't know what to tell you. Like the other day I reviewed, um, what's it called? Lady Ape Yacht Club or Lady Ape Club or something. It's in the top 10. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I've never had a top 10 project email me for a, a review video. It's not like my videos got like 20 million views. So I was like, that's weird. So I did the review and like I'm two thirds of the way doing the research. I'm like, wait a fucking second. This project's a sham. I was like, this they're literally wash trading. And I was like, what? wait, what? And I was like, they paid me for a brilliant review. So I, anyways, I filmed the video. I bring up, I'm like, hey, it's like there's all this stuff on Twitter. They've like tracked like the addresses. Like it's like con it looks like it's confirmed wash trading in the video. And uh they were like, Hey, like, do you mind if we check out the video before? And I typically don't say yes, but I was like, You're yeah, sure. Just to see what they would say. They didn't even fucking fight back, they didn't even say anything. They were just like yeah, if you just mind not posting the video, we'll just we'll just pay you. Sorry, and I was just like, "What were you guys thinking, dude? Like, what are you what are you thinking?" Um, but and then also uh, to your point, Alex, about Ugaverse, uh, I was with Ugaverse uh, on their team, working in like their Discord a little bit for like a few months. I remember, and uh, dude, I, that project like holds such a such a such a strong place in my heart because they were the first project I ever grinded for in the white uh, for the, the Discord whitelist kind of thing. They were one of the first projects to do that, and so they've they've got a um, soft spot in my heart for sure. Are you still bullish on them? Um, so we, so when I was working with them, they, the one issue I had with them was they weren't taking any of my advice. Like they have brought me on for my advice and they wouldn't take any of it. And then they were seeing all the backlash that I was telling them they would have. I was like, you're not working in the branding. They made like one little animated video. I was super excited about that. And then they were like, yeah, like we're actually going to do this whitelist marketplace. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But like, let's, let's add in a little bit of lore. Let's have the founders do some AMAs. Like, let's do some things that are going to build the brand and the IP of Ugaverse. And they just didn't do, they never did it. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, why am I here for one? And then you're not doing any of the things that I think are important. And I think you're going to fizzle out if you just have like a whitelist marketplace. They're so focused on like having utility and they just weren't doing anything else. I was like, look, you guys have such a strong following 
that all you have to do is just a little bit, just like a little bit, and they, they would love it. Like, I'll even help. I'll, I'll do the show. Like, on my show, we'll bring the guys on and we'll talk about it. They never did, and I was like, okay, fine. So we ended up stepping away. Um, but I do like them. They work really fucking hard, the guys in the team. I think they're all from Germany, or at least a few of the guys in the team are, and they just work 24-7 around the clock. So I love them. They uh, th- Their game was crazy. At the point when they dropped their game, especially, I didn't. we didn't really know what was going on. Like, staking was relatively new for the NFT projects. Remember when it happened, I was like, oh my fucking God, we just struck gold. Like, I really just, like, this is it. This is the, the A-list project or whatever. Uh, and then it wasn't sustainable, their, um, their, like, the robo game. And uh, I was with you there. I pulled out some money there. I was really excited. Uh, and then when it crashed, I was like, oh shit, I guess... I guess it only works sometimes, which is just like the NFT market and like just like content and views and stuff. So um, to Pris's point, I was just trying to make content that would last throughout any market and is entertaining through any market. So I've really been focusing and meditating on that recently. Like on a, on a, um, a recent shrooms trip, I was just like thinking about like different styles of content I can make. It was like part of the trip was like intention on like figuring out my content game for the rest of this market. So yeah. And uh, you put me on too is, uh, I mean, I'm still waiting for a little bit of a pullback, but it's biopills. That's another one that yeah. I you know, learned from you. And uh, yeah, dude. the one thing you mentioned was saying, uh, you know, there's 10,000 like avatars or apostles. And so imagine if like this game actually like gets like half as big or a quarter as big as Halo. And like these characters will be worth like a lot, these avatars. So like, that's what one thing that stuck with me made sense. of like, that's true. If a game gets big enough, avatars will be worth something for sure for sure that that ecosystem is so good if they just like they go in quiet for a few months i think they're just building shit but i'd asked them to do a podcast a few months ago and they were down and then uh it just never happened and then um I, I haven't kept up too much with their ecosystem but they got a shit ton of money from all those launches and stuff they got a lot of attention and they got a lot of holders and buyers who bought in at expensive pr- prices that they're going to want to see the project go up for their own good and so i do i think by is a I don't know. I like them. I like them. Yeah, I want to go back a little bit, Cade, back to your trademark of the brutally honest reviews because I'm so fascinated. It's such a unique thing in this market to see that kind of review. And like, how do you get project founders to pay for that? Like, I'm just curious, like, what's the pitch? So when I started in, I think it was the reviews probably started in September or something like that or August or September. And I made a few of them. And uh, so the first one was Sham. I don't know if you guys know Sham Do. He's like this influencer kid on Twitter. He's like, he's literally some 17 year old kid. I don't know why, I don't know why he's famous or what, but he's just, he's famous for being like a, sh- a shit coin caller, a meme, a meme caller and stuff like that. And I remember in the first, one of the first one or two like bear runs for NFTs, he was really big all over. Just like anything he looked at pumped, you know, same with like Alex Becker. Like if he looked at it or breathed in that yeah. direction, it pumped like mm-hmm. 75%. So I was following him. And he dropped an NFT project out of nowhere, just like drops it. No one knew about it. And he was, he just like left one word as a hint and everyone found it. And it went from like 0.02 to I think like one ETH at one point, really, really quick. And I remember I found the project at like 0.1 and I was like, I don't know this kid. Like, I feel like he's not gonna be able to make sales. Like no one's going to jump into this. And I was just like, nah, I'm good. So I forgot about it. A couple hours later, I come back, the floor is like one ETH and I was like, okay sick so i missed that one and so i made a video called because everyone was t- talking about it on twitter and they were like oh my god shamdu's project head dow is, is exploding blah, blah blah so i made a video called head dow uh shamdu's head dow project is exploding and then i think i typed in like brilliant review after that and then it just it did really well and i, I got a big reception from it people were like we really like the honesty we like this style of uh, video and so i just rolled with that i made like 20 of them and then a couple new projects reached out and that's when i was like oh wait okay 
this is cool because they just saw my reviews and they're like, hey, we would you ever do a paid one? And I was like, yeah, if you like can let me review it, like if you're not going to be over, like a uh, big brother on me. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, we'll just send you the money. And then you just look through our shit. And I was like, OK, uh, 300 bucks. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. And that was in September, I think. And I was just like, holy shit, that just worked. So um, that's where it started. And so then I was like, okay, word. So I just started doing a ton of uh, reviews, unpaid, paid, just as many as I could do just to get my name out there as the person who does the reviews. And doing that for like six months straight, just as I've done, I've done over 100 reviews now. I've reviewed basically everyone. There's like a couple of projects that have slipped off that I, I have to um, catch up and do. But for the most part, I've done them all. So the way that I get clients is 100% from like, um, what's it called? outbound requests or inbound requests so i haven't i don't like market myself that much and then i don't like go out and message projects it's all through word of mouth mainly and then through just like my videos because in my videos i usually have somewhere in the intro like if you're a new project and you want to work together just email me um, so i just kind of have like that i just have so many videos out there and uh, i try and paint myself as someone who's more of an educator and um, more of someone who I don't know. It's just honest. And I just kind of rely on that. And that's been working. I, mean, I don't know if that's like the best strategy. Like, I don't know if I should be reaching out. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you're doing a pretty good job the way it is. So I think now with the current market conditions, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing that inbound flows a lot less. So that's going to lead me to my next question here. So it's been a pretty dead bear market, right? For NFTs, like we're literally seeing the biggest NFTs go down 40, 50, 60, even 70 percent. Like even these blue chips, like we've seen clones, doodles, Zookies, Board Apes, all these fall through. And then we see one project lately really just crushing the space. And I think everybody already knows what it is. Pudgy Penguins, right? So we see what they're doing in the space. What are your thoughts on something like that, Cave? Like, what do you think is the uh, biggest aspect? Do you think it's really more about the utility? Has it been the, the community? Is it a little bit of both? What's kind of your experience on that? Dude, I just I just filmed the entire... I'm, I'm a Pudgy Penguin expert right now because i just filmed three videos that were all about pudgy penguins and so i, I like know everything that's going on with pudgy penguins right now <laughs> but um so yeah i have a review actually coming out like today or tomorrow for the pudgy penguins and um yeah so i, th I think it, it blew up just out of nowhere it seems to be now that they're heading into a style of like a moonbird situation where they're just relying on all these big names they got like they just opened up their advisory team they got like the ceo of nansen ai which is huge. I didn't even know that was like a thing. I was like, oh, I thought Nance and I was like a computer. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know there was like a founder. So that was actually pretty funny. I was like, okay, cool. So yeah, they got the founder of him. They got um, some guy from partnerships at Facebook, which I don't know. When I hear stuff like that, I'm like, really? Like you're like the one partnership person I met. At? Like that's pretty crazy. So I don't know how they secured that, but it's like a, a big secure of like a bunch of people on the team. Um, so that was really, really big help. And then I saw that photo that Luca posted, the founder um of the toys the toys thing was dope it looked exactly like pokemon too like it looks exactly like a piplup and i remember thinking damn that's a good stuffed animal right there like that could work actually and the thing is with nfts you really like how i said with ugaverse you can put in the fucking bare minimum and see just an unbelievable reaction from people like when you boil it down they had stuffed animal someone took a an iphone photo of a stuffed animal posted it and then they posted a picture of a bunch of penguins around a table and said advisory board and that's really what got it pumping. And then some guy also just lined up a 400 ETH sale right at the exact same time. I know Farouk weighed in. He was like, this is definitely like some kind of timed plant thing. It's just so weird that it happened. That's always how it happens, right? Like some crazy shit happens. And then someone just does a massive purchase that everyone freaks out over. And that, that guy's blown up overnight. He went from like 2,000 followers to like, <laughs> to like 12 or 15,000. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, no, I think you bring up a good point. Full disclosure here. I have made content for Pudgy Penguins, but I'm in no way like tied to their success or anything. But 
I think it's a little bit questionable the fact that they had a 400 ETH sale and Luca had acquired Pudgy for like what 700 ETH. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Pokemon, so I was like that. That's kind of my take. I thought like I was telling Mo the other day. I'm like, you know, they kind of like could be like the new kids' generation of like uh, baby babies, right? In terms of just you know toys that are appealing for little kids. So that could be like their barrier to entry connecting web two and in real life experience to web three. So I feel like that was a really cool move by them because it's like, how do you attract, you know, individuals and ordinary people to this space? It's like, Oh, you have cute little penguins that, you know, little kids could play with or even adults because it's considered collectible. Right. So I think it's uh, going to be a good way to bring in a lot of people and appeal to them. Yeah. yeah it's dude, good timing it's too. With cool gats. It's the web. Yes. Kids. My God, exactly. The webkins. I don't know if, wait, I don't know if you found that. Um, I just talked about that on another I don't know where I talked about that, but I said that I came to that same conclusion. I was like, holy shit, Webkins literally just like is NFTs. What the hell? I actually just Googled really the other day. I was like, I kind of want to play. Yeah, I kind of want to play. Um, but to, to Alex's point, um, you're absolutely right. It's a great timing too with Cool Cats coming down with Sappy. I don't, I don't know exactly what happens, what's happening with Sappy Seals, but all the cute projects aren't, there's not a whole lot going on there right now. And so mm -hmm. for, for Pudgy Penguins to come in and be like, yo, look at us. It's pretty powerful. I mean, to fly up to four ETH is one that's no easy feat. Too, that's hard to come back to like they they got to 40 at one point a long time ago i think um but to come yeah. back and like to pull like like if, for example if doge pound came back and went back to four eth after crashing the point two that would be a pretty legendary story that a lot of people would get behind so as far as that goes it, i think it's pretty cool um as far as person your point to the 400 ETH sale after acquiring the entire company for 750 ETH, that shit is wild to me i don't understand it that's why yeah. he's getting so much backlash the guy's getting ripped apart on twitter because people are like, just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why would yeah, you do that? You it doesn't even make sense. And like, yeah, I, I don't even know. I literally seen tweets um, like people in the mentions are like, what else you could have bought with 400 ETH? And it's like a big ass house, a Rolls Royce calling in like another car. <laughs> <laughs> or you could yeah, buy the last. I, I don't fucking know what he was thinking, bro. You know, I think the guy, I, the guy that bought it made an interesting point. He was just like, you know the community done so much for me. I made a lot of money. It's like, this is one thing of me giving back. And plus like, I want to have the one-on-one. -on -one. Like he had a video that he was kind of like trolling people. He's like, why do you care where I put my money? If I want to drop this money on the best thing in the collection, like, let me do it. I mean, this is like, this Pudgy Penguins project made me a lot of money. So it's like me like saying thanks. So like, I think that was like his logic behind it. Yeah, well, in yeah. the crypto world, what I've, what I've learned talk, talking to random people all over is that like, I just don't know who I'm talking to most of the time. Like, I don't know yeah. the caliber of person sometimes, like when I'm in a room talking to someone, like, I, I don't know they, you'll meet someone. You're just like, oh, so you're like a billionaire. <laughs> you're like, Wait, what? <laughs> and so that, that just happens. You'll be like talking, like I was talking on a podcast and the guy was like, yeah, man, like I started accumulating ETH at like eight, nine bucks. And I was like, what? Wow. What? And he was yeah. like, yeah, I was buying a lot, like 50% of my paycheck. And I was just like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> and I remember I was just like. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice. <laughs> so that'd be like a conviction, right? You're like you're putting half your paycheck at such a low price. So like, if we're going to talk about conviction, let me ask you, okay. Like what is like a NFT or conviction play that you're like, you know, like you have heavy belief in that's maybe down bad right now or something that you just see that is like, I have belief in this long term in the next bull market. This is going to be huge. Uh, like a PFP project, you mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Coin project. Um, PFP project, that's, that's really know. difficult. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say probably ETH. Um, I've, I've become more of an ETH bull over the past like 12 months or so, just kind of, in, uh, just kind of being in the space and seeing 
was possible. And then watching Solana kind of crumble in front of our eyes like every single time something crazy happens. They've gotten better. Like that's the best part about all the all the different chains is that they're all gonna keep getting better. Um, ETH has just been the longest, but it's been tried the most, and so ETH just has the best chance and it's got the biggest name. We have Vitalikis out there being public. Um, and so I'd probably pick ETH for like a, a coin, which is such a boring answer. Um, but the rest I just don't know. Like all the other altcoins is like shit. I mean, you'll probably be here, but like I don't know. <laughs> like Solana's yeah. probably a big one too. Um, so I assume I assume if Solana keeps doing their shit, they've they keep they keep getting better. Like every six months you'll do a check-in and you're like Okay, yeah, like you've done some stuff in the last six months. So I like Solana. I think I think they'll do well. Um, and then for for a project, maybe for like a PFP. Um, let's see. I like Subducks. I think Subducks is a really classic artwork. I know um, Frankie and I is the founder there. He's a super OG in the blockchain space. So he's got every connection in the world. They made an ungodly amount of money from their launch, especially with the Mint. They made a few million. Uh, for royalties alone, they've made a few million. Like they're one of the top 100 projects traded in, as far as volumes. They make... I think five to seven percent of that, and so they they've got a lot of money, a lot of connections. They've got a whole studio going. They've got a stream. Uh, their artwork does, you know, speaks for itself. And I was just like, well, that that shit, that project has a chance. I also think Cool Man's Universe has a chance. Their brand has been built for years before the NFT space, and they've got money coming in that's not just from the NFTs. And so any project that is one hundred percent dependent on royalties coming in now, I think they just have a way better chance. And so the for me, like the the longer the project's been around. I just think that they they launched before. They probably have more money in the ecosystem. They have a little bit more experience. So I like I like leaning towards the the older projects. And besides Subducks and um, then probably V Friends. Any, anything tied to V Friends. Anything tied to probably World of Women. I think the anything with a brand that's bigger than the uh, just I don't know with with a brand that's big. I think that those will stick around. Kate, if you were to give somebody three tips on what to look for in the current market right now before they buy any type of NFT, what would they be? Are they are they brand new? Yeah. I would, I would probably ask them to figure out what their goals are. Like, I'm just going to assume some things that they're probably younger. They're probably just wanting to make some quick, fast money. And I would just tell them that whatever happens, they probably need a few thousand dollars before they get started. So if they, if they don't have at least like three to five thousand dollars to their name, they shouldn't be playing with NFTs yet. They should get that money first and then play around. Like I still think three five thousand is not enough money. I I think you probably should have like ten because uh, you're gonna lose probably five thousand of it immediately. Like you're just gonna lose it. You're just gonna throw it away basically. So uh, I think you're gonna lose fifty to seventy percent of your money anyway. And so I think you you go in with the mentality of like I want to learn. Like when I came into the space, I remember I was traveling, living my car, and the market, the crypto market, crashed overnight. Like in I forget what day that was, like May, June, July of 2021. And I was sitting in my my car in a Walmart parking lot and I looked at my portfolio go from like fifteen or twenty thousand dollars or something to like nothing. And I was just like, fuck, that hurt. And I was like, I don't know what to do with that. So um I had a few a few thousand dollars left in there and I was like, okay, well, NFTs, like Journey Crypto was talking about board apes or something and some other NFTs. So let me just see what that is, I guess. I, I did a little bit of research here and there. Um, and then when I got in and I bought like one or two NFTs and I was like, oh crap, this is dope. And so I kind of got addicted. And then I spent like 16 hours a day, obviously through the rabbit hole, we all go down. Um, but then I pulled out all my money that I had in crypto, took the L on that because I just wasn't paying attention. I was, I was focused on life things and I, just, I was trying to balance crypto at the same time. So pulled out all my money from everywhere. Pulled out my, all my money from crypto, all my money from my S&P, uh, my savings, like literally every single cent of it stuck into Ethereum. And I said, okay, this is Chuck E. Cheese money now. This is like Blackbeard's, uh, Blackbeard's uh, Cove tokens. I'm just going to learn as much as I can because I have a chance to like 
be early on something. I was years late to crypto. I could have been early, but I wasn't. And now this is like something that's brand new. This might be something cool. So let me just take a chance. And so I rolled with it, learned a lot of things and was like, okay, this is, this is really cool. So I would say for that new kid, that new person to just be okay, that they're going to spend their first six months probably just learning and understanding things and getting used to things. If they have a background in trading, that's going to really help them. Um, and then, uh, I would probably say to do a bunch of research on the history of the NFTs and figure out what happened over the last year. There's a couple people who have made a video. I should probably make that video of like covering all the different trends that we've gone through the different cycles. What's been the big thing? Like what was the meta in June? Like what was the meta in December and all these things. So I would say to like, understand as much as you can, I would definitely say to get into the right communities, get into the right groups. So I would say probably the, the, the best thing is to spend your first couple thousand dollars on a, any kind of pass um after you've tried to find free discords and stuff then I, honestly i would probably just say to jump into like champs champs only pass or like one of those guys who are securing whitelists at least so you have a better chance of getting something um and then they're just in a community of people who want to be there and are trading you can find those for free but if you're going to pay for one you'll probably take it a bit more seriously like i'm a big fan of people for like paying for courses and stuff i think it just it works even if uh even if people like give it a bad rap, I think like courses are better just because you have all that planned and organized for you. So that's, that would probably be my, my advice. Yeah. I think, um, the narrative is, I don't even remember, but what I'm going to say now is the narrative, like for me, I started learning about crypto and NFTs in May. So I'm still very new. And when I first started researching, it's like, the narrative is, oh, get rich quick. This is easy. Like, just set up your wallet and you can flip, whatnot. And the more you learn, the more you realize that it's actually a lot more complicated than that. Um, and, like, I struggled a lot at first to understand NFTs. I, uh, I understood crypto a lot better than I understood NFTs. So I'm wondering, like, I just found an NFT project I actually like and care about probably like three weeks ago. It's called Colorful Rebels. Um, and it's like basically like majority women and it's about like inspiring each other and like positive affirmations and whatnot, which I liked. So I joined their discord. And even then, like it was a struggle for me to keep up with the discord, even though I liked it and I was into it, I still couldn't keep up. And I'm wondering for you, since you're like an NFT whiz, like what keeps you going? What keeps you involved? And like, how do you keep learning more when the space is so like chaotic? Um, how do you keep learning more? I think like, um, what keeps you going? Like what keeps you interested? What keeps me interested is that I just, I like what, what I like making videos and covering it. And it's just interesting. And I have friends in the space who are also interested. And I like how when you wake up, there's something to do. There's something to either there's a fire to be put out or there's some someone else is putting out a fire and I get to watch it or something like that. So honestly, I just I've always liked um, like I don't know if you guys have worked at a restaurant before, but uh, I don't have like drama in my life. Like I'm for the most part, pretty relaxed, pretty chilled, whatever. But other people have a lot of drama and yeah. I love hearing about the drama without being in the drama. It's funny for me. I think it's hilarious. And so I'm sitting there like at the host stand uh, waiting on like like fucking table to like get their food or whatever. And like the host is like blabbering about whatever happened last night at the club. And I'm just like, I'm fucking all there for it. Like I'm ready to hear all the details and to like problem solve, like which guy, which girl do they meet that we got to figure out and track down? Like, I think it's hilarious, um, but I have no interest in participating. <laughs> and so with the NFT, it's like, I don't trade. I'm not like a being a, a straight up DJ and trading and minting at every single uh, corner, but I do my, my fair bit, like enough to know what's going on, have my um, finger on the pulse and stuff like that. But I kind of, I just kind of like being, here like I, I think the space is interesting and if i'm going to be in something that's innovative and new 
this is probably it, you know? And I remember when I was in, uh, in high school, I was like, man, my dad was in computer science. He works at Silicon Valley. And I was like, it'd be so cool if I could just like be in this world. I love being around people who are talking about new innovative stuff. I just don't know what that field is. And I'm not, I'm not that smart. Like I'm not smart enough to go to med school or something, even though I love hanging out with people who like go to med school, who go to like dentist school, like anyone who goes to one of those higher level academia, they're generally, they work a little bit harder. They get it done. Even if they have to go to the club at, and then at 3am come back and like do some homework, they'll still get the work done. I kind of like that. Uh, but I don't like, I didn't like the actual field that they were studying. And so when I found the NFT space and found these people who just work 24 seven and think it's funny and they have all these memes and you get this potential to make money. Um, there's a potential that they, it'll take over the world. I'm like, well, fuck, those are, that's good enough for me. I'm only 24. Gary V started ringing my ears. He's like, bro, fuck it. He's like, what if all of it goes wrong? And at 30, the entire NFT market just disappears. At least 30 years, like you'll have built all these connections, you know, all these people, you have, you know, just, yeah, you just got to pick a direction and go. And so for me, NFTs are just fun. Like I just enjoy it. I look at the crypto so, world. I, I want to like, circle on your as literally the people who are like thinking about like, like high school or even middle school days like that one kid or that one group of kids who are like always misunderstood but always like knew when to say something funny and make the whole class laugh like that's exactly who the crypto people are it's like that one group that was in the class that barely said anything when they did it was like the funniest thing ever it could be it definitely could be yeah that's hilarious <laughs> I was, I was going to say, so, Kate, you have a NFT project yourself, Joy Age Kingdom. Um, so I, I thought that was very interesting. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you my take on it because, like, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. But you basically are, on a long-term perspective, providing, obviously, educational content long-term. And eventually down the road, you want to reward your your uh I guess, community and owners of your NFT. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So it's, it's a super small project. I wouldn't even call it a project. It's more of an art project. So I'm a photographer. And so when I was living in my car last year, I was snapping all these photos. And so, um, in like June or something of last year is when I found that you can sell your own NFTs as like art pieces. And that's when photography was just kind of, just kind of blowing up. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm, I'm a photographer. And I saw a couple of the projects that blew up. They were black and white. Um, they were good, but I was like, my photos are just as good. Like Mine might even be better. And so I was like, let me just make a small collection. So I made 20, made a 26 collection and posted them. And um, the first one sold out super quick uh, just by pure luck. It just happened to be in there in a shill. And someone picked it up, saw it, tweeted about it. They had a bunch of followers. They all just swept it basically. And it went from like two sales to like 20 immediately. Um, and then uh, the other collection with 26, that picked up more when I became a YouTuber and people found out that I had NFTs. And at that point, they were just my art pieces. And they were so like, they jump in discord. They're like, yo, like I bought your NFT. And I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. Thank you so much. And then, um, after a while they were like, yo, it's like, what are like, are the NFTs just like art pieces? And I was like, yeah. And then that's what it was for a while. And they were just kind of holding it as like a token of support or something for the most part. And, um, that's what it was. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? It'd be kind of cool if this was like a small little community. And so we made a discord role for them. Um, and we added this little, uh, thing in the discord and it just kind of became something else. And I was like, okay, well now like this is something that I'd like to flex one day. This would be really cool. There's only so, there's so, there's so little supply that I like accidentally set myself up for the future with this small little community of like really dope people who fuck with me. Most of them have been in my discord forever. Like 90% of the people who bought never sold. Like almost all the ones in the prequel collection have been bought once and they were from me. And so like there's just been no sales in that collection, which is good and bad, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm totally cool with it. Like, I kind of like that idea. Like I like in 20 years if they all stuck around and then now I can 
do all this ridiculous nonsense that content creators are able to do when they get these crazy brand deals. Like that's the goal. It like puts the pressure on me to like accomplish and win and take over the entertainment world. Cause if I can, that brings me opportunities, brings me money, brings me things I can do. And I want to be able to reward those holders. Exactly. Because it's such a small community. Like I think my, my third collection will be probably 10 or 20 NFTs in that set. And then that's pretty much capping it there for the access keys. And then any other NFT I release after that won't be tied to that. It'll be just either an art piece or it'll be like, I mean, if I ever did like a PFP collection, I guess it would be it would be something separate. So, um, yeah. But I try and I try and bring value where I can. But it's not the that's not the goal of the project. The goal of the brand is to grow, and then the NFTs just grow with it. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, because I was checking, uh, you know, your different uh, on OpenSea your listings, and like nothing is listed. It's like you guys just have diamond hands in that community. No one wants <laughs> all they listed anything. So. You know. Yeah, well, it's like an intimate setting too. Like, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not bad. Like Andrew Tate, where I sit there and berate people if they want to leave the his Hustlers University. But like, I imagine there's a little bit of pressure. Like, if they're if they're th- if they need some liquidity, they'll probably look to my NFT last, which is typically what I've seen. Like every now and then, someone will leave, and they'll be like, "Yeah, it was just like a, a money thing," and so that they, they'll take their profits, and that's fine. Um, usually, they either buy back in or they stay really close still with the brand, and they're they're always like, "I'm gonna buy back in, I'm gonna buy back in." So there's a little bit of like an emotional, uh, like intimacy thing you get with like a really really small community. I know some communities are small with like a thousand or a few hundred or something, but like in my experience, you just like to manage even 500 people. I'm like, that's a lot of people. That's hard to bring value to. 500 people is a lot of people. Like if you're in a room with 500 people, that's a lot of motherfuckers. I'm like, wait, what? So if I have 50, I'm like, yo, that's way cooler. Like I could, I could potentially really do some cool things like if i want to throw a, a huge yacht party or something like s- stupid or like uh classic like that like a yacht party that's possible with 50 people but not with 500 right and so it's like something something cool i just can't i can't do that with a huge supply so i basically told all the um access key holders i was like yeah look you're if you're in now then like you're locked in you're good to go there's not going to be 600 of these there's going to be literally never more than 100 but likely probably closer to 50. Yeah, and I think you you said something pretty interesting the other day. I was watching a video, and I think you said something like NFT artists aren't actually NFT artists. They're content creators who make art on the blockchain, right? Um, And I was just wondering, like, where does that fit in? Like, to me, when I hear that, I think immediately like musicians, like that would be great for a musician because people are already so invested in that individual that they would be so successful if they created like some type of NFT community. But then when we see celebrities actually get involved in NFTs, usually they tank. So yeah. I'm wondering like, what's your insight on that? If you're an NFT artist, but you're really a content creator, then why are all these celebrities and musicians failing at it? So the way I look at content is you're it's similar to like a Gary Vee style where you're documenting your process and you're getting your onboarding people, uh, supporters. And how are you gonna get supporters? Like how, there's, no, there's no way to garner support other than to like make videos and like TikTok is just so easy. I'm like, you don't even have to edit. Like I'm out here putting in fucking hours for YouTube and like nothing. And then like TikTok, you take like a two second video, post it, forget about it, go to your grandparents' house, come back and you're, you got like 600,000 followers and, and have 2 million uh, viewed videos. So it's possible to do something like that. Uh, for the most part though, you're not going to have that. Like you're going to have slow growth, but you're going to earn friends and supporters along the way. And it depends what your goals are. Like I think if you're an artist, it makes better sense. Like I sold out, I sold out the the two art collections that we just talked about. And then I dropped the torch collection, which is uh, not an access key. There's 36 of them and there's absolutely nothing tied to them. I told the entire marketing bit up to it. I was like, if you're buying a torch, this is a tier below the access keys. It's so far below that there's absolutely nothing tied to this. It's just, uh, it's, it's in the joy G 
the Joy's Kingdom ecosystem, but there's nothing that will likely ever be attached to this. It's just going to be one of those, if you want to be part of it, these will be the only NFTs that are part of it in a sense where it's not like a big PFP style and there just won't be many of them. So if you care, that's it. That's the only thing there. There's really no incentive to buy this and that's still sold out, but that's because I had made content online and people felt like they knew me um, or they, you know, they found value in my videos and they wanted to support me and, you know, they weren't expensive. They were like, whatever equivalents like a hundred dollars or something is. And so I did that. And I think that's just the way, the way you do it. You just share your thoughts toward things. And I, like I, I saw a comment the other day on that, actually someone tweeted about it, about, about that TikTok actually. And so some people weighed in on that, on that idea. And they're like, yeah, I just don't want to make content stuff like, like something like that. And I guess I've been in the content world for a long, long time. And so for me, I don't know what, where else I'm like, where else are you going to get, you're going to like be in New York where you sit on the street and you sell your art like on the street like, how else are you going to do it? Like, you have to market your stuff. Instagram is dead. No one's going to see your stuff. TikTok's mm-hmm. the answer. I, I just I don't see another way. So I just made that video. Um, I, I think there's a lot of truth to it. If you want to if you want to make sales and get a following, it's probably not going to happen on Twitter unless you're an elite an elite writer and are able to like deliver strong value within a thread or something. Some people can do it like that. I just think TikTok's easier. I'm like, you don't even have to talk. You can you can literally have a video of you panning over some of your art put a sad song over it and then put a voiceover and a big caption and like, boom, it's just so easy now. Just got to learn that process and learn the different styles of content and just make all of it. And then you'll probably get some sales. Yeah, that's so true. And I've been seeing that like TikTok is becoming the new go-to for searching stuff. Like instead of Google, people will search on TikTok. So there's a huge opportunity there. But honestly, I get more value from like Twitter threads than I do from TikTok when I'm looking for information. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The social medias are all different. Um, like with, with me, I, tr- I try really hard to bring just uh, like if someone leaves my channel, like I want them to have earned and like gain some knowledge rather than lose brain cells, which is what typically happens when I watch anything. I just like oh, yeah. I walk out of that walk out of that situation. I'm like, oh, why did I just do that? Why did I watch that? Why did I waste 12 minutes trying to like go down that rabbit hole? That was such a waste. So I try not to, to have that as much as I can in my content, but you're absolutely right. Like different styles of content for different people. I follow different people on different socials. Like I don't follow everyone that I follow on TikTok, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't, and yeah. the same goes for TikTok. Like it depends. Like if they're not bringing, if they're not putting out work and I, I don't like respect the content they're putting out, I'm just like, all right, well, I don't care to see it. So yeah, I agree. Um, right, I wanted to circle back a little Go ahead. I was going to say, so you're, you're talking about Solana and like how they're building and all that stuff, but I did, I did see you, uh, because, you know, you're typically an ETH guy from just what I observed from you, but you did tweet about Utes, D-God's second uh, yeah. election. And, you know, it's crazy because D-God's community is absolutely fucking insane. Like, they, they flipped the Zookies. They're, like, uh, at 420 soul, and that, which is the <laughs> of, like, 11 ETH, right? So, like, they're, they're, they're killing it right now. And, like, they have, like, what, 10,000 collection and only, like, 150 NFTs are freaking listed. So that, that's incredible that they're like diamond handing and they're just like not selling it's going to take that floor price to shoot up and and what they did was very interesting right they have a secondary project called utes where ten thousand so it's fifteen thousand right and then ten thousand of that fifteen thousand is basically allocated to the d gods holder but the other five thousand is for an application which i will say i thought i saw you post a tweet saying uh fill out this application so uh what are your thoughts uh, all that dude the uh, i'm still fucking waiting on the U list scholarship to tweet me and say i got accepted because i haven't been accepted i really hope i do 
Uh, I saw that I saw that call from another TikToker. Uh, I think his name is Max, or, or I think it's Max. It might be Mark, but I think it's Max. He put out a tweet or uh, a TikTok on it, and so I sh- I think I either made a TikTok or I put a Twitter and I tagged him or something. Um, but with the Utilis application thing, it's just like the Moonbirds thing. You know, you have I don't know if you I, I forget if you need money in your wallet, but you just apply and you see what happens. Um, as far as uh, as far as that being the proper way to do whitelist. I think there's always a mixed answer for how to do whitelist. I don't think it's always one answer. We just saw Izu with Psychedelic Anonymous more or less shit the bed for their drop. Like a lot of people were so excited. They were so excited to like run it up and then sell for massive profits, except all those same people are the same people who listed it for a 0.01 profit <laughs> or, or or undercut themselves after 10 minutes of, of like grinding for their whitelist. Um, and I think it's a, I think it's helpful to have a big spread of different styles of whitelist con- uh, whitelist giveaways and stuff like that. So somewhere you really make people work for it. Like I, I think projects are scared a little bit to ask a lot from people, um, and because of that, they don't try anything new or interesting or innovative. And so like one thing I did with Ugaverse, I was like, hey, you guys are running up all these massive giveaways, and they're great because you get two or three thousand extra followers every single time. You get a bunch of people tweeting about it or whatever. But like no one remembers or cares or knows like no one even remembers the name because uh, it's more or less a blip in their day. So you got to do something extra. You're going to make them work a little bit for this. You got to like make them run outside and take a photo with this printed out picture of a monkey on your face, like just a little bit extra um, just to get people to care a little bit and have an emotional tie to it, you know, and like that's what, like with all my holders, like they've already gotten free clothes. Like so they all have like Joy's Kingdom clothes. And it's so, like that's one thing where they, they sell. They're like, fuck, like, I already have the shirt. Like I have the hat. I don't want to sell now. And so you get that emotional tie with them. So we'll see how the use does the, with the D-Gods ecosystem. D- here's the thing. The big difference is that D-Gods right now is in a great sentiment, right? Cool Man's Universe dropped a second collection of the babies and didn't even sell out. Didn't have any success basically with that. And then Psychedelic Anonymous seems to be on the same trajectory, uh, potentially. I'm not sure. I haven't checked this morning yet. But um, Izu didn't blow up like we thought. Uh, psychedelic anonymous floor was crashing as it happened so they went from one and a half um to like 0.7 and cool man's universe was at 0.9 dropped to like 0.5 right at the same time they're dropping the second collection that's pretty suboptimal for when you're dropping a second collection you want to be pumping you want to be in the good graces when that's happening so i think timing is really big even though timing's really hard to manage um and then just a variety of different whitelists i think not not having every single one be like a big growth campaign i think that gets old and it rarely works yeah, honestly, for me, because I'm, again, new to the space, whitelist, like, really, I think that's a blockade to mass adoption. Like, most people aren't going to work for a whitelist spot. I know I'm not. Like, I did once, and that's because I cared about the project, but I'm not going to do it. Like, unless you're a total degen, like, you're probably not wanting to grind for every whitelist spot that you need. Um, so my question to you is, you said you like ETH, right? You're an ETH maxi. But like for me, when I started out, I was like, what the fuck are these like gas fees? Like what is GUI? That I think is also another blockade to mass adoption. And I know you advise a lot of like NFT projects and companies looking to get into Web3. So do you see that coming up in those conversations or no? So uh, a large part of my consulting isn't with people who are complete beginners. So for the most part, I don't actually, I don't do as much consulting as even I would probably like. I just don't, I don't market it. That's that's actually the main reason I don't, because people don't know. They do know the reviews because I post the reviews, but obviously I don't like post console calls. So most people don't even know I offer that uh, unless they just ask or something. But for the most part, I get founders who either A, worked with me 
And so they'll get like a discounted pricing for the consulting. It's just like an upsell kind of thing. Um, or they'll just find me and say, hey, like we want to schedule like a one hour call or something like that. But they're typically been in the space for a while. They know the lingo. Um, so I haven't had to explain it that way. But I do agree that the the current meta of NFTs and the fact that it's just a gambling, it's just a casino is the main reason holding it back. So it's just the timing of of the industry in general. Like there will be a point where it won't just be gambling. Like they're, it'll take a while probably because crypto is largely still just gambling for the most part and speculating. It's been a few years, but that's just how it works. You know, there will be a time where the NFTs technology of the blockchain and the blockchain underlying it will start to be the backbone of a bunch of different companies. And then they'll be talking about it and then NFT people will talk about it and then they'll kind of grow that way and it'll start to lose that tie just to people flipping monkeys and it won't just have that effect and uh, that that story that everyone's tying it to. Right now, it's just that thing you buy to sell to someone dumber than you. Like that's pretty much the only thing with NFTs still. So because as long as it's like that, it's going to it's going to it's just going to stay that. Yeah. So it's just going to be time, I think. So what, what would you say is going to be like, in your opinion, like, you know, we're obviously in a bearish market. What do you think will be like the catalyst for like the masses to start coming into this space like what what do you think it'll take you know because obviously it's gambling right now you know it's like everyone's just throwing money into the casino you know which projects you know we don't know what will survive and come the next bull run but what do you think will be like the next catalyst that will just bring in joe schmo average joe into the space where it's like actually a thing that was tough because i think we're pretty far away from that um I think the do we even want us... Joe Schmo? Do we want Joe Schmo involved? Yeah, in so this? that's actually that came up in a in a in a recent podcast too. It, it came up in a recent podcast because I was like, it's funny that NFT started as this little fun gag. You just run around in your little communities and you say a bunch of things and discords and telegrams and stuff, and that's what it was. And now it's become this thing where, if you're not you know trying to like figure out cancer for your NFT project utility, then you're not anyone. And so it's, it's become one of those things where it's like extreme to, uh, to the opposite side. Like, we don't give a fuck about PFPs. We only care about the utility. And then they're like, well, people are like, no, no, like we're only uh, PFPs. Like, we don't give a shit about utility. And so like, there's all these different, uh, there's all these different <laughs> sides to it. And it always sways from one extreme to the other. And it just kind of does this little dance. And that's kind of just how it's been. But as far as onboarding new companies and stuff, that's going to be a minute. I mean, the only reason people jumped in in uh, in the last bull run, like when Visa bought a CryptoPunk or whatever it was, that's because they were like, yo, these things might go to like a million dollars. Let's just buy this just in case with like 1% of our revenue. And so I think it was one of those things. But if we're not in a euphoric bull run, I think it's, just, it's more just going to be like, when is this blockchain stuff legitimized to a point where people are going to look at it and say, yo, this is, this is cool. This is better. Or a big, big entrepreneur on boards, other entrepreneurs that follow him. Like if a Gary V starts implementing the blockchain within his own business structure and starts to talk about how it's better. And then all these e-commerce, e-marketing whizzes, the guys who are like running every, all these big companies, all their marketing for them online, they're going to jump in and say, okay, well, if this is better, like how can it help me? And then they start to use it. And then people just start to use it that way. I think that's how it's going to happen. But that's, I th that could probably be, I don't know how long, I don't know how long in the future that is, but. I think it's pretty long. I would say um, okay. years. That's my that's my take. Three to five years. Um, one thing you did say, Kate, is in like your first video, like we're in chapter one, and I think we're even before chapter one in this crypto blockchain space to where it's going to go in the next several years. But I think it's three to five years before we see mass adoption. That that's my current personal opinion. Yeah, but it'll be. I mean, it'll be slow. It'll be like a slow run up, right? So like people are going to be in. There will be some companies in, just like how we had MicroStrategy buying like a billion dollars of Bitcoin every day. It's just like wow. That was that was kind of crazy. I remember, but uh, it'll be like that. It'll be some companies that are in, some that aren't, um, and then it'll just be like a slow burn. I think it'll just it'll be one of those things that we don't think about it. We don't go, okay, now they're here. 
we'll just be like, oh, like more people are here. Like this company's in now. Like Facebook dropped their thing or like whatever happens. I think it'll be more like that, but it'll be fun. I'm just really excited. Like to Pris's question earlier, like why are you here? What keeps you motivated? It's because I'm just genuinely curious of what the life, what life is going to be like in 15 years if I just stick with this and see what happens. Like if everything goes right and the show keeps going and gets bigger and bigger, the metaverse keeps building like it's supposed to be. I keep networking in the space. I keep doing things and um, I keep growing. Then where could we push this shit? Like where could this where could this ship go? So I'm just more interested to see where it goes. Me too. I am definitely. And let's spice things up. We like to play this game on our podcast. Um, it's like a fuck Mary Kill edition. Um, <laughs> but today we're gonna ask you. So what is the coin you would hold forever? What's the coin you'd flip or sell to take a profit and one that you'd mm. never even touch with a 10-foot pole? Oh, shit. Which coin would I never touch the 10-foot pole? <laughs> wow. That's tough. Um, I, I probably just wouldn't buy Bitcoin. I probably just wouldn't buy Bitcoin. I just feel like if you're going to buy Bitcoin, you might as well just buy Ethereum. <laughs> if, it's for, if you're just doing it for like trading, like you might as well just buy Ethereum. It depends why you're buying Bitcoin. If you're buying Bitcoin as, as like a, a, a form of... Uh, soaring your cash or something that's different um but if you're just being like a trader ah uh, you know that's not true that's not true because i will be buying bitcoin um okay so what, what's a coin that i would hold forever you said and then one that would mm -hmm. flip and then one that I would never use oh, yeah. that's so tough um i i would probably hold eth because i'm not going to be spending my eth unless it's on nfts i assume so like I feel like ETH is a strong play to hold because I think it just has the most use case. People are using it the most. It's got the I think it has the most potential. So I would just hold ETH because I can use it but not be like selling it like that. So I would use ETH. And then a coin that I would probably flip would um probably a Solana or AVAX. Like I'm pretty boring with the the top coins just because I if we're in a euphoric bull run and I think um you know like Polkadot might moon, then I would maybe invest a little bit into like Moon River. Or like one of those lower ecosystems below it yeah. and use Alex Becker's strategy. Um, but I would never hold those. Like that would just be for the flip. So I'd probably I would more than likely pick either Solana, AVAX, or or Polkadot and to pick something under it and I would flip that coin. Um, just because I think those those platform or those um uh, protocols just like have something and they're at least well known. And in in this sphere, you're just basically trading speculation anyways. It's not like any of them do anything yet. So you're just trading on speculation. And then a coin that I would never touch. Um I don't know. I like sometimes I feel like Shiba and Doge had their run and they're never coming back. But then I and then I just don't know. And then I try and like pit them together for some reason. And I'm like, man, if it was Dogecoin or Shiba Inu, like which one would I pick? Like Shiba blew the fuck up. Yeah. But I got I caught the Doge I caught the Dogecoin train back in 2019. So I profited <laughs> on Dogecoin. So I have like an emotional tie to Doge. That's why I hold the Doge pound. That's why I'm friends with the guys at Doge pound. Like I just like Doge because of that. <laughs> Um, and then with Shiba Inu, it's like almost like their little like step cousin or like whatever. Like they're just kind of like there, and they're both dogs, and they both look the same, and they both ran up. It would, but I don't know. Like as far as a coin that I wouldn't touch, um, like what are the coins that you guys wouldn't touch? Like I'm trying to think. I'm struggling to find one that I would never touch. Well, let, um, let's rephrase it. Maybe it would even be something that you've already bought and it's given you an L, or you've bought and you're glad you got it. <laughs> oh, okay, like, okay. Axie Infinity. Uh, I'm done with Axie Infinity. I, I have my money stuck on the Ronin Bridge still. Oh, I just man. gave up. I don't even care. The price has gone oh, down so much God. that it's not even worth it. I was just like, fuck. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about Luna for me. Luna is the coin for me. Oh, no. You had some? Fuck. You had yeah. Luna? Yeah. Big, big time. I was big bullish on Luna. Yikes. I don't know why. 
now that I look back at it. Oh my god, bro! I, I pulled out all my money from uh from Voyager. Do you guys know the Voyager app? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I I pulled all my money out about a week before they like paused everything, and I remember I was just like, man, it's probably not smart to be in here. And I was like, I don't have that much money in here. I, I already took my L on the coin that was in there, so I was just like, eh, whatever. Let me just pull it out. So I pulled out everything in there, and literally the next week they like, closed up, and I was like fuck me i didn't even like i guess i should have yeah. seen that coming but i didn't really think about it and i was like wow i got really lucky and like all my friends yeah, were like what the fuck you you like pulled out you didn't tell us and i was like dude i just didn't like i i don't know i just wasn't really thinking about it I was just, that seems so obvious now and then now that people are still i mean i don't know why people are still trading on the centralized exchanges it's just so scary yeah. i'm like i would be terrified if i had you know ten thousand dollars in a coinbase account with the worry of every single morning waking up and it's just like oh we've paused everything you know they already said they're going to pause ethereum withdrawals and deposits during the merge and i was like yo that's that's kind of fucked you know that's like the whole point of crypto i guess but not i guess not <laughs> the whole point is that we can do whatever we want but we can't exactly. and that's the trade-off that's the trade-off the give and take of like you want pure ownership and you want accountability well that's not the current meta for human beings right now. We don't like to be accountable in this world. We like to point at other people and say, that's your fault. So when something goes wrong and I actually click the link, I'm yelling at OpenSea. You know, I clicked on a scam link. I'm yelling at MetaMask. I'm not yelling at myself, yeah. even though it's my fault, right? So that's just one of those things that just, it's just how it is. And that's humans for you. But um, I don't know. I've, I've, I've really, I've really kind of, the, the Gary Vee model is such a, is such a funny thing for me because there was a period where I was like super, uh, super fan of gary v and then i stepped away a little bit because you know after, after a while you, you there's, a, there's not a whole lot he can say like after you've watched yeah. ten thousand hours of gary it's just like the same thing over and over again um so i like yeah. took a step back and then i've kind of come back naturally to see like what he's been doing um and dude the guy is just like rock solid he just he's fucking smart he's on point he's precise and um he's just worried about his own shit he's just controlling his own stuff and putting out his own message he's like look if you fuck with it that's great if you don't then you probably will at some point and he's just putting out that content. And I was like, that's just kind of how you do it. You just kind of put your head down, you put in the work, you put it out there and you see what happens. And I think for a lot of people, like that's a really, really good lesson. If you find yourself like angry at stuff or things aren't going your way, you just kind of do your part. And then you just kind of hunker down and you, you try as best as you can. Like I'm only 24. You try the best you can to realize that life is very, very long. You know, one year ago was an incredibly different life. If I go back five years I don't even know what was like, what's, what's it, 2022? So five years would have been 2017. So I was enrolling in a new college, just trying to figure out like who was hot, who wasn't hot, who's cool, who should I be friends with? Like, what job should I get? Like, that was the only thing on my mind. Like, how am I going to pass chemistry class? You know, and so <laughs> it's just wild how much things can happen in, in a five year, 10 year gap. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about one funny story and let me know if you've experienced this. So like literally mid bull run, right? Obviously I'm in like a lot of alpha chats and I'm sure you are too. Uh, there was this thing that came out, right, about Voyager where it's like, hey, there's a way to get, like, there's a loophole in the Voyager app where you can go ahead and make money without having to invest any money. And the loophole was, hey, you go ahead and you connect this to a bank account. Let's say a bank account that had $300 in it, right? Voyager, uh, I think they their ACH allows you to do, like, anywhere up to, like, five to 10000 depending on your account, Right uh of deposits so what they would do is the hack was right and again this was something i've tried personally was on a friday right because banks close on fridays obviously through the weekend you can go ahead and say hey voyager i want five thousand dollars deposited from my bank account your bank account only had like three hundred dollars voyager would give you instant access to the cash and you can instantly buy something with oh. it. oh 
and let's say ride it for the next week or so, right? <laughs> so I've really known friends and like I've literally done this myself where you would literally buy crypto with without having to invest any of your money. You would get the APY on it because they were paying out APYs monthly. And then you can sell it, take the profit and then deposit the money back into your account. And now it's like when I look back at it, I'm like, dude, this was literally a thing that everybody was doing. And now everybody's surprised that Voyager's out of business. I'm like, obviously they're out of business. They were front loading people money that they'd never even had. So it's like, just imagine like that. That's wild. A hundred X. And now that I look back at it, I'm Jesus. like, maybe like a test we should start doing to like any of these centralized exchanges that are paying APYs. Like, let's see if they give us the money first. And if they do, it's a red flag. <laughs> like, make that's your money. That's a and crazy get story, dude. Yeah. That, well, that's, and that's also one thing um, that sparks this in my head about, about crypto is something I picked, pinpointed a few months in was that most people in crypto who are doing anything have got like loads of money. Right. And so, like, one of the things I remember watching was that, um, there would be these YouTubers talking about different ways you can make money. And they're like, yeah, yeah, so you can take your money from here. You can stake it here. You can leave it here for a month and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but how's that going to help me when I only have like $500? Like, I'm not going to, like, even if I stake this, I'm going to get like 12 bucks from this. Like, what's the point? And then I was like, oh, it's because everyone else has like $50,000 and they're going to make yeah. $10,000. Like, that's that's why this is working. And so when I realized that was the case and most of the players, the big whales, um, the big guys on like Twitter and stuff, they just got just ungodly amounts of money and for them to throw twenty thousand dollars is just like a joke it's like me buying a chipotle for somebody it's just it's not even like a thought in their head and so when i realized that and that people have those levels of money when they're like oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna ape in real quick well, let me just like sweep a floor real quick and like they just spend like ten thousand dollars i'm like oh that's that's why you can win because you're sweeping 10 floors for ten thousand dollars each and if any of them hit you've made your money back and now you're rich and i was like oh so this game's like set up against you unless you're already making money. And so same with YouTube, right? Like if you're a YouTuber, you're going to have a way better time if you already have money and you're a bit older. Like that's why you see so many YouTubers in their 30s, 40s, and 50s because they already got their shit together. Their family's out. Their kids, uh, maybe their the kids are out of the house already. They're just making videos. They're rich and they've got experience and they got stories. So I'm like, this is why so many people I used to look up to on YouTube are a bit older just because they have their shit together. Yeah, yeah. Who's that one guy that swept the, the My Lady floor? I don't know if you remember that. I think it was Lenovo's or something like that on Twitter. But this guy had swept like literally the whole My Lady floor at like 0.03 or something like that. And literally within a week, it had pumped one ETH and he owned like 500 NFTs out of the whole collection. Oh and everybody who was buying that one ETH was literally buying from him. So he ended up making more money than the actual project, right? Because he had swept the floor. <laughs> He's a Twitter influencer. And then literally like everybody like followed his show and they bought from it. And that was like literally the prime Fuck. example of like the crypto space. Like, bro, you're literally competing with so many yeah. people. Like I'd rather go to the casino because it's, I know it's like me, my luck versus the casino, right? Versus like the yeah. crypto space. He's like, you're gambling versus you, your luck, timing, and then a million other peoples who are trying to get your money. <laughs> yeah. And Alex, to your, uh, how we talked about Will earlier, um, Will bought like, 10 bio pills when they were not when i was talking about them at like 0.1 or something so when those pumped to like two or three eth whatever it was at their all-time high that motherfucker was rolling i was like yo you bought how many of those you know, i i don't he, I, I think he sold like two i think so i mean I, I i don't i don't know i think maybe he sold two but like i asked him like dude are you, are you gonna sell man like that's like a fuck ton of money because i was remember when eth was like at like 4500 so like that was like that was like big money there and he's just like, no, I'm thinking long term, man. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, and he was just used to, yeah. and he was 
He's like, oh, you got to buy bio pills. He's like, this gives you access keys to all the other launches and other aspects of the project. I'm like, all right, y'all yeah, keep an eye on it. And then like literally three days later, it fucking goes to like one ETH. And I'm like, like, you, like, you got to be kidding me. It's like this guy literally gave me the greatest alpha. He told me to get in at like 0.2 ETH. And I didn't listen. Damn. And then he's that's just how, like, that's how it is. My boy, my boy keeps giving me this alpha, and I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. Now, now I'm gonna start listening to Will and Cade more. You know, I'm gonna keep my ear to the ground. <laughs> I gotta hear this new Buffalo coming, man. I can't miss out anymore. But uh, I'll tell you my worst NFT uh, loss. Like, I FOMO so hard, man. In betweeners, Justin Bieber's like project thing. <laughs> oh, fuck. The, the the tippy top that you can't get any higher than the tippy top. I dropped like 8k on this shit, and I was just oh. like. You know, now boys are behind it. You know, they're like using it as their P- like profile on Instagram. It's just going to moon. And then the next day they launched, like they, they finished their mint. So they didn't even fully mint out just to show you how much of a noob I was. And I didn't do my research. I totally degenerate aped in. And now it's like worth like 200 bucks. So I went from 8,000 to 200 bucks. Oh, if you want to man, dude. talk about a kick in the balls, that's it. In betweeners, never selling, man. I'm riding this shit to the fucking moon now. Either I lose it. Or <laughs> yeah. I go to the moon. <laughs> You know, I have a story about the holding to the moon. So I one of the so I I got um I was very fortunate that um well not fortunate I guess but I I don't make calls very often like like we were saying earlier but uh, I have made calls and I've I've uh for the most part pretty I've, I have a pretty good track record especially like during the fall months because I was at first I was almost getting flat because they're like why don't you make any calls and I was like well because like, we don't know what we're doing we've only been here for like, so early like everyone's just getting lucky like that's truly what's happening people are getting lucky and then proclaiming that this is like thought out it's like when someone gets successful and they say how did you do it it's like well <laughs> I don't know I just made stuff and things happened and then I don't know it just happened that's usually the real answer exactly. right and so I called a few of these projects really early like way way early I bought like Evaverse at like 0.07 and I bought uh, Biopills like 0.1 Cool Man's Universe like 0.1 and I was like, yeah, man, like, I don't know, like this project just looks good. I just, it looks, it looks good. It's strong legs, uh, whatever. I think it's a smart play. And like, it didn't do anything for a long time. Eververse didn't pump for seven months. Biopills didn't pump for like four months. Um, and Cool Man's, well, okay. Cool Man's was crazy. Cool Man's popped after one day. I just got pure, like pure luck. Gary V bought in the night after I streamed about it. And I was like, yeah, this project looks cool. I think it's a good buy. I'm going to buy one. And so I bought one the next day. Gary bought one. Everyone blew up and it went to two ETH the next day. So that was nice. like a crazy pure luck call. But the rest of them have been long waits. So like people are like almost talking shit. And then when Evaverse partnered up with Doge Pound, they went from 0.07 to like 0.3 ETH. Everyone's like, holy shit. They're like, yo, you called that like so long ago. I was like, I know. I was like, I was like let's fucking go. But I <laughs> held my rarest one. I had bought a Celestial at a, for $100. So 0.06 ETH or something in like june and it got up to five eth floor just for my celestial like for all the celestials the five ETH was the minimum and they were selling like hotcakes and i remember just thinking man this is gonna be at 10 eth and i fucking held it and it went crashed all the way down like i still sold it for massive profit for like two eth but it was at five eth and i didn't buy it i I literally could have bought that at the at the time i don't remember what mutant names were at but there was a period of time where i was like yo if i sell this this and this i can buy a mutant ape right now and I remember thinking like on my computer, just sitting there at my desk in Colorado, looking at the mutinate floor. And the, that's when the floor was literally four ETH or five ETH. And I was just like, oh my God, I could do this. And the problem was one of the main NFTs would have been that Ugaverse. And I couldn't sell that Ugaverse. It was just like that one would have been like a two ETH sale just from that. And I remember just being like, oh, I can't. <laughs> so I, I ended up not doing it. So that was probably one of my biggest sales because that that was such a terrible decision. Those, those flew to like 40 ETH or something. Dude, take profits, bro. Just take profits. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I take I take way more profits now. Next, next market or pump for sure. You know, I have a much different mindset and strategy. I write in my trading journal and all documents. Let's it's go. Like, end of paper. And now I'm just like, even if shit goes to the moon, I'm just I'm just not going to feel guilty about it taking profit. It's just like, who knows what's going to be existing in the next bull market? What projects are still going to build? You know, that's just like the big question mark, right? So like, you know, obviously you can have a conviction place, but nothing is a lock. I mean, you look at even like, I'll, I'll bring up Luna again. Luna was like, you know, everyone was like so bullish on Luna. It's the future. What, $45, $50 billion market cap. And everyone thought they were, they were not too big to fail. And we saw that overnight just go down. So it's like nothing is a lock. Even Board of Yacht Club, you know, we think it's going to be here forever, but you never know even with that, nothing is a lot. So it's in my exactly. biggest. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, 100%. Yacht, just... I, I think Board of Yacht Club is, is going to be huge. I, it is huge. And I think it's going to be around. They have so much money and revenue. But, you know, like I said, no, nothing is certainty. My personal opinion yeah, is honestly, yeah. NFTs will never reach the USD value that they were at before. I think it's too much, bro. It's definitely, it's I, probably not. Yeah, it's. I think it was two years Now just looking at it, like the amount of money that was flying around, like people buying like million dollar NFTs. Like we had a rock sell for like a million dollars. Remember that fucking gray rock? Just a gray rock. It's like, bro, there's no way that amount of money is going to be flying around on JPEGs. Again, maybe in ETH in some sort or another, but I highly doubt like some of these blue chip projects that are right now are going to go back to their all-time highs. Yeah, it'd be it'd be really interesting. I'm I'm not sure what to expect, honestly. But I agree with you, Alex, about about just taking those profits. I mean, I've gotten way more conservative with my trading. Uh, like I I jumped in. Well, I say that, and then I immediately followed up with I bought this coin called Top G Shitcoin on, Poo, <laughs> uh, on like Poo Poo Coin or something. And uh, I found it in the first. It was it was a TikTok. I found it in the first hour, so I bought in at like bare fucking bit like bottom bottom uh, price. And I was super pumped about it and I kind of forgot about it, but I, I did like a seven X and I pulled my money out and I was just, I remember like pulling out and being like pretty happy. And then it did another five X from there. And I was like, oh, you fucking kidding me. But I was like, okay, at least I, the fact that I'm like complaining about a seven X is really sad, but it was yeah. pretty crazy. And I was, I was happy that I at least practiced what I preached. Uh, I probably should have pulled out 50% instead of a hundred percent and let some of that stick in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that stuff, that stuff happens all the time. And if you're going to take profits, I think that's just a, a better way to do it. And you have to leave some money on the table. But the way I look at it is if like, if I sell here or buy here, I just have to be able to look at like, what's it going to take from here, my buying point to get a two X. And if it already pumped twice, then the chances of it going to a two X from here are, are low compared to this. So maybe I'll wait. And so I, I always try and like, think about that when I'm trading, I'm like, okay, what is it going to take for another two X from here? Is it worth holding this with the chance that it goes to zero? Or is it just like should I just take my profits now? And most of the time, the answer is just take the profit. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you my strategy. So when it two x's, take half of the table. So you're in it for free, right? And then going forward is like okay, every ten to twenty percent increment of increase, then I take like continuous profit. So I don't like completely cash out. So that way, I could just continuously make money in the case that it does, you know, continue to pump. But that way, I, I yeah. have no right because like I cashed out like and I'm and I'm in it for free at that point. I got my money back. So that's going. Yeah, to I know. do that in the bear market too. Yeah, yeah. In the bull market, I'll do more like a three or four x. I just be more bullish. But <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. funny because everybody like what everybody has. That? No, I was just saying it's funny because everybody has like their own like exit strategy. But the the key element to look at like in everybody's exit strategy is you're trying to milk out as much profits as possible because it's never enough, right? Versus like 
hey, what's your exit yeah. strategy if it goes down? Well, I'm just going to hold it to zero, dude. It's either like I make 10x or I'm just going to hold it to zero. <laughs> <laughs> the mentality for everybody is like, dude, I want to milk as much as I can on the way out or I want to lose it all. I don't even care. <laughs> that, that's actually really funny. Yeah, no. Most of the time I don't have an exit strategy if it goes down. I'm just like, ah. Eh. Fuck, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, just uh, go, that's, that's really sad. Yeah, I usually don't. If if it's a straight up gamble, then maybe I will. I'll cut my profits. I like if I go like down thirty percent, and it's a it's a straight up gamble. Maybe I'll I'll cut it out. But most of the time, I'll just buy. If I like, I don't buy it unless I'm like, okay, we're at a decent price range here. Like when I when I uh, when I did my first with Top G Coin, for example, like when I got a five X, that's when I exited. But then after it went up again, another five uh, another five X or whatever it was. And, but then it crashed, and I was like, you know what? This is like a objectively a good spot to buy. I was like, this might be a good place, so I bought back in, and I did a two x from there, so I made like a total of the seven x. Um, but like as far as as that, yeah, I agree. Like mo- for the most part, if you're going down, I don't know, bro. In crypto, like, has the most part, just like a little bit of degeneracy. Yeah, I have yet to meet <laughs> one place that that tells you like, yeah, if it goes down x amount, I go out. Never. It's always like, yo, only if it goes up, I'm taking money out. Yeah. All right, that's like what the statistic is like 99% of people like that trade stocks or crypto like fail like only 1% of the traders are successful because they have their rules and they don't break them like if they have the, they have their stop loss and if it goes down a certain percentage they get out no exception they don't they're able to take out the motion and that's the problem for me like I, I could keep the motion out of trading like actual crypto like technical analysis but when it comes to NFTs man I get so fucking attached I'm like I yeah. love I'm like, I don't want to sell it. Could it go up? It's going to go up forever. Like, you know, it's like that casino mentality. <laughs> so it's like, I, I just like, for some reason, NFTs just get too emotional for me, but I'm getting better at it. But it's like, you know, the 1% that do survive and like do make money in this space, they don't break the rules and they're just extremely regimented with it. Well, that's the thing with NFTs though. Like the only currency in NFTs is social. It's hype. There's no other metric. So that's why it's emotional and that's why it's riskier because you have to go based off of social metrics and emotion. There's no other metric to go off of. And that's why it's like, like I don't trade at all. Like I just dollar cost average into coins that I believe in and that's it. Like I don't even touch trading. I think it's too risky. And like, why would I lose my money on something that I don't believe in? It just doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of expansion of the market, I'd imagine, because I'm the same. For a while, I was degening into everything. And then I just, I got tired of it. I was just like, bro, what am I doing? Like, why am I wasting all this? Money? Like I'll, I'll make a lot of money from something and I'll be like dope. And I would usually just throw all of it into something else. Yeah. <laughs> but then I just, I was just like, I got to a point where I was like, why am I losing all my money every time? Like I made so much money in the bull run of last year. Like I have never in my life seen that much money before. And, um, I don't know where it went. <laughs> I don't no. know where it went. Like I'm just sitting there. I'm like, yo, where's all that money that I had last year? Because it is not in my bank account, and yeah. it's not in my it's not like, like, So it, it goes and it comes <laughs> in waves. But that's degeneracy for you, man. Like that's just how it works, and you just get bored of it. So for me now, if I get paid from anything, I typically take out like seventy five percent of it and stick it right in my bank account immediately, uh, and then I leave the rest in ETH. Just Good. because I know I'm going to spend it. Like, I know I'm going to spend it. It's really frustrating just, like, losing all your money and seeing it dwindle down to zero. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you there. I think this was a great podcast, Kate. Thank you so much for hopping on. Guys, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> uh, thank you guys all for being here. Uh, until next time. Oh, make sure, yeah, make sure you smash the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Um, click, click on all their links. Do all the things. Support them. They're, they're, they're super great time. This is, this is so much fun for me. So, yeah. Until next time, continue on your joy age. Continue to learn. And be grateful for your life watching this video. Bye. Peace.